Welcome back to another episode of the Hecklers and Hot Takes podcast. This is your host, Brian Clinton. We're here with Colton Rector, and we are talking the 2022 college football season. Week one is upon us. It is in full swing, and we had the pleasure of watching a fantastic backyard brawl to kick off the season on, on Thursday night. Uh, West Virginia fans not necessarily happy about the outcome, 38-31 to 31 in favor of the Pittsburgh Panthers, but what a game. What an atmosphere. I'm so glad that it's back after 11 years fantastic game to watch to kick off the season. Colton, what are your thoughts? Yeah, great game, great atmosphere, like you said. Um, much bigger rivalry than what I thought it was. Um, I always, you know, obviously viewed OU Texas, Ohio State, Michigan, um, literally any other big rivalry as being bigger than this. But uh, as you and I mentioned earlier in the week, these fans hate each other. Like There is no mutual respect. There is no brotherly love. There is no you know, elbow in the rear. It's they hate each other for whatever reason. They hate each other, and it was awesome. Um, so great game. Obviously, not the way West Virginia wanted it to end. Like you said, JT Daniels um, has the interception. That's one hundred percent not his fault. Beautiful throw, perfect throw. Actually, it hit the guy right in the hands. Uh, not anywhere close to even remotely being excusable drop, and that gets tipped into the hands at the corner. Corner takes it for six, and with three minutes left in the game, that all but kind of sealed the deal. So, um, again, great game, but not didn't go in West Virginia's favor or J.G. Daniels' favor. Well, you really you feel for Bryce Ford Wheaton there. He was clutch all night. The one the one big drop that he has ends up being the the drop that cost him the football game. So, uh, tough tough break there for West Virginia. They they start zero and one. They get Kansas next week. Now, most of the time, that would mean an automatic W, right? Ah, not so fast. I, who knows? We just watched Kansas take apart, yes, yes, a Tennessee Tech team who is an FCS program. 56-10, to 10, though. That is, that's not something that we're used to seeing from the Jayhawks over the last 10 years. Uh, you know, tonight, just from what I saw of the game, they looked like they outclassed Tennessee Tech, which is not something that we've really been able to say uh, when they when they go up against FCS opponents in the past here, they, they look like they maybe belong on a field more with them than they do, say, a Texas or an Oklahoma. But but we really we we saw the Jayhawks really take it to Tennessee Tech, and and it kind of has me wondering: Is Kansas capable of winning a few games this year? Absolutely. Um, typically, you know, Kansas is paying these FCS teams to come in, and it's a question. It's not a we're paying this team to come in as a tune-up game and we're going to win. It's not. I mean, it's always a question: Is Kansas going to win this game against this FCS school? And and tonight there was no issue. I mean, obviously we asked the question beforehand because we didn't know what Kansas or who Kansas was going to be this season. But Kansas was one hundred percent the better team. There was no doubt about it. They were flying around to the football. They looked like they knew what they were doing, and it, it looked like. The, the Mark Mangino, Kansas Jayhawks of old today. So really good to see Kansas coming out swinging. Again, albeit an FCS school, but it, it looked like Kansas is on the right track. The only stat you need to know about this game, Devin Neal running back for Kansas. Four carries, 108 yards, two touchdowns. That's 28 yards a carry. <clears throat> Moving on, another Solid. impressive uh, offensive showing was from Oklahoma State on Thursday night. The Cowboys put up 58 points in a barrage from Spencer Sanders, who goes 28 for 41 for 406 and four touchdowns. But that defense from last year, 
the 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 Pokes really got used to winning games, being able to score twenty points, and that's all they would really need to 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 get the W. No, I'm not so fast this year. Central Michigan, forty four points. Yes, twenty two of those points came in the fourth quarter and came up against uh, you know backup second string, third string, but. Oklahoma State didn't look the same in the back end. Their defensive line was impressive, no doubt, um, but, but there may be some things that Mike Gunning needs to work on there with uh, with new uh, defensive coordinator Derek Mason. Yeah, um, I really thought starting the game, you and I talked about this, that their defensive line looked great, veteran defensive line, uh, but from the linebackers back, it looked you know a little shaky. They were young, um, and, and it showed, but – um, they were they were holding Central Michigan, you know, pretty well, and and uh, Spencer Sanders was just dealing on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, best I've seen him look, I think, since no he's doubt. Been at Oklahoma State. Honestly, he looked comfortable. He was protected, uh, which is huge. And um, and and when he has that protection, I mean, being able to see what he could do was was a little. Uh, it was pretty impressive, actually. So. Uh, a neat stat that I saw from them or from him this weekend was that Spencer Sanders, the second player in Big 12 history with 300 passing yards, three passing touchdowns, two rushing touchdowns, and one half of football, uh, second to that of Patrick Mahomes, if you remember that guy, a uh, pretty good quarterback <laughs> from Texas Tech. Um, so crazy numbers put up by Spencer Sanders this weekend. Yeah, they got some work to do on defense, but. If that offensive line can keep protecting him like that, it may be it may be hard to uh, to to keep up with Oklahoma. Competition State. steps up a little bit next week. They're welcoming Arizona State into Stillwater, so it should be an interesting game there. Uh, TCU is in Boulder right now. We had a little bit of a lightning delay. That game's still going. Uh, we are currently sitting at eleven fifty two p.m. Central Time now. Uh, TCU is up fourteen to six on the Colorado Buffaloes. A 43-yard touchdown from Imari DiMicardo is uh, is what's put TCU ahead by eight there. Um, be interesting to see what, what the end of this game looks like. It was worth noting Chandler Morris did get the start in this game over Max Duggan. So uh, clearly, clearly Sonny Dykes likes what he sees in Morris and, and what he can do for the offense there. So should be one to keep an eye on uh, for with, with the Horned Frogs. As far as remaining Big 12 games go, we have several FCS opponents on the list tomorrow. Uh, Southeast Missouri is is heading to Ames to take on Iowa State. Albany uh, will head to Waco to take on Baylor. And South Dakota heads to Manhattan, Kansas to take on the Wildcats, while Murray State will visit Lubbock to take on Texas Tech. We do have two FBS opponents for Big 12 teams in UTEP. Uh, heading up to Norman to take on Oklahoma, a 31-point dog there. Um, you do have that game at 2.30, and then at 7, you have UL Monroe heading to Texas, where they are a 38.5-point dog to the Longhorns. Um, any of those games really just have you thinking upset watch, or or is it going to be chalk all the way across? No, I think it's going to be chalk all the way across. I think Brent Venables um, has has OU firing on all cylinders right now. I mean, are they going to have first game jitters, first game mistakes? Absolutely. Um, but I think, I think that's going to go off without a hitch and same for Texas. Um, I think, although, you know, not a first year staff like in, in Norman, um, I think Sarkeesian's, you know, got a better hold on that team this year. I think 
being able to name a starting quarterback now, although it was a little odd in how he did it. Um, I think, you know, they're confident in who they've got and, and the team that they have. And I think bringing um, UL Monroe to town is going to be a good kind of first test, kind of like UTEP for Oklahoma. It's going to be a good FBS team that's going to come in and, and, and not be a pushover, but they're going to get, um, do you see really kind of what they have on the field for the first time, uh, not against each other in an inter-squad scrimmage. Yeah, and as you mentioned, first-year uh, head coaches there, uh, first-year staffs. We, we've got a bunch of those in college football this season and, and a lot at winning programs, at historic programs. And so let's dive into that a little bit. We have seven coaches here on a list that we that we want to talk about. And and I'm pretty much I'm just going to ask you, is the program, do you think the program's heading up or down into these guys? The first guy we're going to talk about is Brian Kelly at LSU. Um, I was, uh, to be completely honest, I did not like that move in the beginning. And I think simply it was just from going from Mr. LSU himself and Coach Orgeron to a guy who was coaching at Notre Dame. It just, it didn't seem like that was going to be a good fit. But throughout the offseason, watching everything that, you know, Brian Kelly's done recruiting wise and how he's kind of been embraced by the LSU. Uh, fan base um, and, and hearing the reports from their camps and things like that. I, I do think that that's going to be on the up and up. Um, I am, I'm still a little anxious. Um, he's kind of on the fence for me as far as what I think, but um, I, I do think Brian Kelly's going to do a good job out there and it's just going to, it's going to depend on basically um, is, is he going to be national championship worthy or is he going to be bust? I mean, that's how it is out there. And with a lot of the power five schools, it's, are you competing for national championships or not? So Brian Kelly knows that. So we'll see. What yeah, I, I really do think I'm, I'm going to say that they're they're heading upwards with Brian Kelly, and I just think what LSU needs there is 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 structure. They and and if there's anything that Brian Kelly is, he's structured. So I really do like that. I like where they're headed. Um, Lincoln Riley at USC. This is probably a little bit uh, tender subject, considering we both live in the state of Oklahoma. So. Uh, program heading up or down under under Lincoln Riley out in Southern Cal? Despite what everyone thinks about Oklahoma fans and how we feel about um, Lincoln Riley, I'm gonna I'm gonna say how I feel really quick and 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 get that off. Just let everybody know. I like Lincoln Riley as a as a football coach. He's a very good coach, great offensive mind, and I think he's going to do. Very good things, very big things at USC. I think he's going to take them from a whatever their record was the last you know couple of years into maybe a a leader in the Pac-12 and be a contender for the Pac-12 championship every year. My issue with Lincoln Riley is simply how he left Oklahoma. Um, he was handed the keys to the castle to Oklahoma by uh, by excuse me by Bob Stoops and basically used it as a stepping stone and. And the fans of Oklahoma do not view, obviously, their school as being a stepping stone and being used in that way, shape, or form. So that's my only issue with him. I think he's a great coach. I think he's going to do great things at USC. And um, I think I think this year is going to be a huge step in the right direction for the Trojans. Yeah, I agree. I, I really do think that, that Riley is the right guy for USC. I think that he fits the mold of – that Pete Carroll-esque superstar head coach, like if, you know, somebody that really is in tune with social media and really, you know, 
willing to stay up to date on those kinds of things. I think he's a good fit there. So we'll we'll see what the Trojans look like. They get their first uh, look at Lincoln Riley tomorrow as well. Uh, Marcus Freeman, Notre Dame. Uh, he's got a stiff test week one. He gets to take the Irish up to Columbus and take on the Ohio State Buckeyes, uh, who are seen by many as a national title favorite aside the beside the Alabama Crimson Tide. So program heading up or down in year one with Marcus Freeman? Um, I think year one's going to be rough for Marcus Freeman. I think he was a good hire, hiring from within for the Fighting Irish. But I think that year one for them is going to be rocky. I think it's going to be tough, especially starting the year with a team like Ohio State, who everyone has you know pegged as a playoff contender, national championship contender this season. Uh, with Jim Knowles coming in there to fix that defensive problem, um, I, again, I think I think he's going to be a great coach at Notre Dame. But at the same time, I think this first year is going to be rough, and it's going to take uh, it's going to be some tough sledding to get to where he wants that that program. To be. Yeah, I agree. I think it's going to be tough. Uh, they have Ohio State on the schedule. I believe they also have Clemson on the schedule, if I if I remember correctly, and. You know, those are two teams that a lot of people see making the college football playoff this season. So you have those two teams. You've got a a uh, BYU team coming into uh, Notre Dame's house on the 8th of October. That's a tough game. And, and USC to finish out the season at Southern Cal is not an easy game uh, to finish the season up. So definitely a tall task for uh, Marcus Freeman in year one there with the Fighting Irish. Mario Cristobal at Miami. That is, to me, this was one of the most interesting hires, not only because of how quickly it happened. It was kind of, you know, in the same hand as as Lincoln Riley's was. It, it just kind of happened all of a sudden, and, and Oregon was left looking for somebody else. So do you think Mar- uh, Mario Cristobal can live up to the hype that's that's coming in, in Miami? Do you think that he can live up to the hype in year one? Absolutely. Um, Mario Cristobal is a Miami guy. That's home for him. Um, I don't I don't view the way he left Oregon in the same boat as how Lincoln Riley left Oklahoma. I feel like it was a little bit more tactful, a little bit more respectful there. Um, and I think they all kind of understood, you know, he was going home. That's 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 he's a Miami guy through and through. Um, but as far as how I view him and, and Miami going forward, he is a very structured, very militant guy. He's he's very disciplined in how he coaches his teams. I mean, you could see that at Oregon and the way you know they changed from coach to coach. And as soon as Cristobal got there, it was it was night and day. Um, and I think Miami needs that in a bad way. They've gotten rid of the turnover chain. They're they're changing the way that they do things, and I think that's the Mario Cristobal effect coming into play there. Um, will the U ever be back? Don't know. Little too early to say on that, I think. But um, I think I think things are definitely going in the right direction. I think they're going to be a strong ACC contender under Mario Cristobal going yeah, forward. Yeah, I, I like the Canes this year to challenge for the ACC. They've got two two games on their schedule that that pop out. Uh, both road games. Week three, they go to Texas A and M. That's a tough game. Kyle Kyle Allenfield is not easy. Uh, Kyle Field's not an easy place to play. And Clemson. Uh, that is the second to last week of the season. Uh, that could have uh, lots of implications on, on that game, so definitely one to watch there. Um, 
Let's let's talk about Dan Lanning at Oregon. That's his Cristobal's uh, replacement there in Eugene. He, he's coming straight off of a national championship, but the start is rough. You get to play your former team week one, the Georgia Bulldogs. It's not technically a home game, but it's in Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta, Georgia. It's a home game for Georgia. Uh, how how do you it's feel about game. Dan Lanning? Year one, program heading up or down? I'm going to say down, um, unfortunately, for Dan Lanning. Now, I'm going to sound probably a little hypocritical here with our next couple coaches, but with Dan Lanning having zero head coaching experience, he's a young guy to begin with, um, and he's taken over a big program like Oregon. I don't think Oregon's going to be bad by any means, and I think over time Dan Lanning will do good things at Oregon. But I think this year, kind of like kind of like Notre Dame, starting off with such a big team in Georgia, um, you don't you don't ever want to start a season, you know, with a big fat L like I think they're going to take in Atlanta, um, and and that's that's just kind of a it's demeaning. It's a it's not good for a morale booster by any means. I think Dan Lanning's a great defensive mind. Obviously, he proved that last year at Georgia. They had one of the best defenses in college football history statistically and now granted he had some great players that obviously are now in the NFL um, that left Georgia, but again, I mean, credit to the coach as well and, and the, and the schemes that he put together. But I think, I think starting fresh in Oregon, um, he's going to have some good prayer players left for Mario Cristobal, but at the same time, it's going to be like starting from scratch. It's going to be a lot like um, Brent Venables going to Oklahoma and, you know, it, it's a mess. I mean, you've got players that left, you've got players that stayed, transferring out, you know, the whole nine yards. And I think that it's, you know, a completely different conference, completely different style of football. I think it's going to be a down year for Oregon this year. Yeah, I think this is going to be the first one I disagree with you on. I I really have a hard time finding a loss on the schedule until Utah, obviously after the Georgia game. Um, I think there's talent on that roster for, for Oregon to really be – not just a contender, but maybe the favorite over a lot of people have Utah there with, with uh, Whittingham obviously is the favorite for the Pac-12 this year, but I, I wouldn't sleep on the ducks. I think the ducks are, are plenty talented enough. And, you know, I would say they are even more talented than Utah is, but the, the thing with Utah is you can't beat yourself. And a first year head coach, uh, a Frankenstein esque uh, roster there in, in Oregon could be a tough game for them. So definitely one to watch there. Uh, let's go Billy Napier at Florida. Uh, he inherits a team that was a lot lower expectations than, than people had last year. They actually lost uh, in the, I believe, the Gasparilla Bowl is what it was called, uh, to UCF, and it wasn't pretty. Uh, program up or down under under Billy Napier in year one? I think a lot of what happened with Florida was you have um, – you have a coach that is is thinking that he's going to the NFL there and it doesn't happen. And he had his, his eyes set on the NFL. And, and when it didn't happen, he was, he was just kind of checked out. And I think the players knew that. I think the fans knew that. And it was just kind of one of those things where kind of like the dolphins went tanking for two a few years ago. I think it was just, let's just get through this season, win, lose, draw. Let's, let's just see what happens. And and obviously we're we're parting ways at the end of the season. And that's what happened. Um, 
and then and then now I think that I think that again it's going to be kind of like a a uh, I think it's going to be w- way more disciplined. I think they're going to get things going in the right direction. Um, I do think they're going to struggle a little bit this year. Um, not necessarily a down year, but I think from Florida standards and knowing kind of the expectations that that fan base has, I think it is going to be a down year. But moving forward, I think that it's going to be very good moving forward and Florida is going to get back to where the Gator fans expect them to be. I am going to say program heading up, but I think it's because if he gets the Gators to bowl eligibility this season, it will be a huge accomplishment. They play Utah. They yes, they, they play 7th-ranked Utah, 20th-ranked Kentucky, and then they have three games in a row at home against LSU, road game at Georgia, road game at Texas A&M in the middle of the schedule there. So definitely a tough schedule for, for the Florida Gators. I think if Napier can get them to bowl eligibility, it's a huge thing. And obviously you got to beat Florida State to end the, end the season there. So, um, and, and then finally, of course, we're going to talk about Brent Venables at Oklahoma, a guy that both of us have spent a lot of time this offseason uh, just studying, I guess, for lack of a better term. He really has brought something that Oklahoma has lacked recently and, and passion and intensity is really what that, what that is. And, and I'm just curious, uh, program heading up or down under him in year one. And what kind of are your expectations of Venables in 2022? Well, like Brent Venables, I could probably sit here and talk for 45 minutes to an hour about what I think of this program and what I think of Brent Venables. Um, however, we don't have that kind of time nor the attention span. So, um, to short answer, I see I see the University of Oklahoma trending up this year, despite what a lot of um, your experts and analysts will think. You know, given the first year head coach and the, such the turnover um, and the coaching staff and with the players when Lincoln left, but the the morale change and the just the overall change in mentality and everything that's been going on. Um, and, and Norman has been insanely different than the previous X amount of years with Lincoln Riley. Um, it's just, just to put it bluntly, I, um, we've got our tight end, um, Braden Willis, excuse me. I'm sorry. I'm blanking on a name there, but Braden Willis even dared to say that fall camp this year was fun despite fall camp never being fun. It's, it's hot. It's hell. It's basically something that you cannot wait for it to be over because it is all day, every day, practice, meeting, studying, and then you start school and it just, it's not something that's fun. And then they would even dare to say fun. So I, I think that there is a big change there. And, and again, I, I know I even started doing what Brent does and started rambling, but I, I see definitely trending up and I see, I see potential uh, big 12 championship again in OU's future. Yeah. And, and I kind of want to express some feelings about how Venables has taken the program, where where he's taken it in just the the short nine months that he's been around. Um, I think that when you have somebody that has a goal in mind, or not necessarily just goal-oriented, but process-oriented, falling in love with the process of what's going on, I think it really shows throughout your roster. Um, You've got guys all over that team that, are obviously four and five star guys, which has been the case for years. And, and and I think the Venables knows what he inherited there, but I think he has spent his time really culminating a team 
not necessarily a group of guys that are talented, but a team. Somebody, you know, he's he's taking these guys out on on team building exercises, and he's in the boat with them, literally in the boat with them. And uh, you know, th- that's not something that that you could probably say you would see Lincoln Riley doing here last year, or or any of the you know previous five years. It's just not how the program was, and so it'll be exciting to see what that looks like on the field, what the fruits of the labor that the Sooners have put in this summer looks like, and, and I really am excited to see where Venables takes Oklahoma. All right, let's make some picks. O- Oregon yeah. heads to Mercedes-Benz. Uh, they are 16.5-point dogs to the dogs of Georgia. Uh, I'm not asking straight up today. We're going against the spread. 16.5 points. Does Oregon cover? No. Simple enough? But, okay. Simple enough. No, I don't. I don't think Oregon covers. I am going to say the Ducks cover, but not by much. I'm going to say they lose by, I'm going to say they lose by 14. Uh, let's go, let's Fair go enough. Cincinnati at Arkansas. Minus six and a half for the Hogs. I think Arkansas covers, but I, I kind of like your last pick. I think it's close. I think since he comes in and does what they do, and showed showed the world that a group of five team can hang with the big boys, um, but yes, I think Arkansas covers, but it's yep. seven. I have I've got the Hogs by seven in that one. Utah, interesting game here. It's in the swamp. Head to Florida. Uh, Whittingham's team is two and a half point favorites. I'm gonna give I'm gonna give that to Utah. Um, Utah's a very good team under a very experienced coach and a coach that's been at Utah for what. 16 years or something like that, if not long time. I don't remember what the number is, but he's been there forever. Um, and, and they know what they're doing. I think that, uh, I think that they're going to get a challenge in Florida, but I think they cover and win by three to seven. I am going to take the Utes as well. I think that, uh, I think two and a half isn't enough. I think they probably win that game. That that's one of those games where, I could see Utah waiting around and letting Florida beat themselves and it getting to seven or ten there. So I'll take Utah as well. Notre Dame at Ohio State. This is in Columbus in the horseshoe. That is currently a 16-point favorite uh, towards the Ohio State Buckeyes. What's your thoughts on this one? I think this is an easy pick, personally. I think Ohio State's going to get that 16 plus another 10. Um, uh, very easily. I don't think Notre Dame's going to have a whole lot for them. Um, I hope they prove me wrong, to be completely honest. But at the same time, you're playing in the shoe. It's the opening weekend. Ohio State is rare to go after the disappointing season that they put together last year. And I think it's. I think this is the revenge tour. Even though Notre Dame wasn't <laughs> on that schedule last year, uh, I think they're gonna. I think they're gonna put a big yellow and green O over Notre Dame and pretend that they're Oregon and go and I, Coming into the season, I, I think that Notre Dame is a bit high at number five. Now, I you know, you thousands of Notre Dame fans that are going to be listening to this, I don't, I am not saying that Notre Dame is not a good team. That's not what I'm saying. That's not how I'm coming across here. Right. My issue is, I don't think they are number five because the number two ranked team in the country should not be a 16 point favorite over the number five team in the country. That's just my opinion. I don't, I I think that there is a gap, a very big gap between Ohio state and Notre Dame 
and I do think that they get that 16 points easy. I think I think Ohio State takes advantage of an inexperienced head coach in Notre, at Notre Dame, and you know I think Marcus Freeman's going to be great there. I just think he's in a bad spot here in Columbus to start his career. Uh, let's go LSU versus Florida State. This is in the Superdome again, another quote unquote neutral site game. Uh, this is on Sunday. This is a Sunday game. LSU is favored by three points. Oh, this one was tough for me. Um, I think I'm going to give it to LSU, but I think it is going to be close. I don't. I I don't know why. I don't know what. I don't know what it is. Um, I think LSU runs away with this one in the Superdome. I think uh, Brian Kelly has a talented roster. I think he has had long enough. Uh, this off season to kind of put together, put together enough of a game plan to to put Florida State in its place, and I think that they win that one going away. Um, and then the final one we're going to pick here is Clemson versus Georgia Tech. This is also at the Mercedes Benz Stadium. This is on Monday. Uh, the Clemson Tigers are twenty three and a half point favorites over the Ramblin' Wreck. Uh, please tell me you got an upset in this one, huh? <laughs> no, I don't think that I do. I think. I think Davo's going to have this team ready to go. I think DJ Ukulele or Uyongalele. See, I, I say Ukulele. Yeah, you, you, yeah. Whatever the hell his last name is, I think. I think that you know, even if he's not back on track, I forget the kid, the backup's name. Hey, Clubnik. They're going to be Clubnik. Yes, they're going to be ready to go uh, in either scenario. If if one's not producing, the other one's going out, and I think it's. They're going to be good to go there. They hired from within to replace Venables and replace their OC. Um, I think I think Dabo is a process guy, and I think he's going to have Clemson rolling. I'm going to take Georgia Tech to cover. I think Clemson wins by three touchdowns, but I don't think they get the twenty three and a half. I think it's a I think it's a good win. Um, I, I like Georgia Tech. I like just them being in the state of Georgia. I know that's not very far from South Carolina, but um, I'll, I'll give Georgia Tech the points there. And then let's go this one. I'm just kind of throwing this at you. Um, let's do a lock of the week tonight. Just just kind of off the fly here. I'll give you mine first since you're probably a little bit unprepared. I'm going to go Oklahoma versus UTEP. The over-under is 57, and I'm going to take the over. I think Oklahoma scores almost that by themselves. Uh, you have a very, yeah. a very talented uh, defense at Oklahoma. Uh, that Brent Venables probably has feeling like they're going to play some of their best ball of their career. But I do know how demanding his scheme is. There's a lot of things to learn there. And I think that you probably have maybe a slip-up or two that that allows UTEP to get some points on the board. And I think the, the over is, is definitely the one to hit there. So I'm going to go over 57. Mm, I think that's a great pick. I think, I mean, I... I kicked myself for not taking the over in the Oklahoma State game the other night. Um, that easily hit. I mean, that was – I don't even remember what it finished at, but it was well over what the over was set at. Um, just just to prove just to prove some haters wrong here, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take – I'm trying to find what the stat is really quick so I can be accurate here. Uh, I'm going to take – USC versus Rice. And I think that Lincoln Riley is going to take this offense with or without a defense uh, with Alex Grinch. And I think he's going to go cram the ball down Rice's throat. 
And the over-under of that game, according to ESPN right now, is 61.5. And, and I think that over is going to hit. I like it. USC beats food. As, as, <laughs> as you say, as Josh Pate says, they can't lose to food. If they lose to food in game one, Lincoln's out. <laughs> well, that will do it for the Hecklers and Hot Takes podcast. We will be back on Sunday. We're going to do a recap of week one. And then next week we have a surprise guest. Who is to remain unnamed? He will join us this season. Uh, But thank you for listening in and tune in next time.